Today on Exposed, the Kalo podcast, Biden willfully disclosed classified documents. And we have a generation of confused individuals. Should these people be allowed to vote? And can Republicans unite to defeat Biden? Or are we going to be facing a surrogate come November? Finally, the LGBTQAI plus Texas shooter. She was a migrant from El Salvador. All this and more on Exposed. Special counsel Robert Hur issued his report on President Biden's handling of classified documents. His conclusion was this, quote, We conclude that the evidence does not establish Mr. Biden's guilt beyond a reasonable doubt, the report says. Prosecution of Mr. Biden is also unwarranted mm, based on our consideration of the aggravating and mitigating circumstances. Our investigation uncovered, listen, evidence that President Biden willfully retained and disclosed classified materials after his vice presidency when he was a private citizen. It's, I mean, if I wasn't living this, I, I would think, you know, this is totally not true. It's, it's not possible. I mean, how could they take someone like President Trump, you know, break into his house, bring all kinds of agents, search everything, um, and, and then, you know, pretty much arrest them and uh, file charges against them. And then we have the president of the United States uh, being found to have classified documents and disclose those classified documents, and nothing happens to him. But Hearst team decided not to prosecute Biden because they say that they weren't able to prove beyond a reasonable doubt willful retention. Willful retention beyond a reasonable doubt. So basically what they're saying is President Trump, on the other hand, he did willfully retain those documents and refused to return them. But yet we know that's not true because his attorneys were in negotiation all the time with the Department of Archives. And of course, that truth never comes out. The manner and disposition of the investigation into Biden in comparison to those who were investigating the documents found at Mar-a-Lago is like 180 degrees. Complete opposites. Every inference was made that Trump had intention and that Trump was irresponsible, all of which pretty much has been proven false. But if America sees anything clearly, I think we see pretty much what's going on here. We see that they're coming to cover Biden just like they covered Hillary when she disposed of, what, 33,000 emails, uh, used bleach bit on her you know, devices, computer, and so on and so forth to wipe the drive clean. Um, the mental acuity of President Trump is without question, but the mental acuity of Biden is in question, so we can't really prosecute him? <laughs> How can he be president? I mean, I mean, how, how does how does the average American feel about a president that we see? We see him on TV. We see him. I mean, he did a, a 
video, if you want to call it that, whatever that was, uh, during the Super Bowl, which I didn't see during I didn't watch the Super Bowl. I don't bother. Me, personally, I can't see, you know, giving these crybabies more money than they already got, uh, watching them pretty much defame our country and, you know, kneel and all that stuff. When that started, I stopped watching. But anyhow, Biden has this commercial, which I saw after uh, the uh, Super Bowl, and the commercial was supposedly a way for him to get to TikTok viewers. I thought they made it so that people who work in the government can't access TikTok or shouldn't have TikTok on their devices. But yet Biden can use TikTok because they're desperate. See, no matter whatever the left does, they justify because they're in the right and all of us are in the wrong. And that's pretty much what's happening here. They're basically willing to say that, well, yeah, Biden is a little incompetent right now and unable to be able to be prosecuted, but yet he's still able to be president of the United States. I just don't get it. I, I personally don't understand why the American people aren't standing up a little bit louder and saying, hey, give us somebody else. You know, hey, you want Kamala? She's the vice president. Why not run her? What are you afraid of? <laughs> That'd be a heck of a, that would be a wonderful campaign. President Trump, <laughs> um, debating Kamala. I mean, I can't, I, I, I'd love to imitate her, but I, I, I can't do it. Um, it's just too ridiculous. But I could just see the two of them on the debate stage. That would be something to speak of. Anyhow, speaking of confused people, we have a generation of confused people. I mean, it seems like the American culture is ripe for it right now. And it, it's bad enough that we have this whole gender confusion thing going on. Um, I mean, I, Again, for people my age, that's kind of strange. Uh, people talk about gender confusion. Uh, were there gay people growing up? Yeah, we had a couple of guys, you know, a couple of girls. There were a few that we knew who, they weren't gender confused. They just felt tendencies to, you know, go the other way, whatever way you want to look at it. But today it seems like everyone everywhere is confused about who they are, what their gender is. So, I don't know about you. I wanted to do a little research about this. And as I began to do research on the gender issue, what I found was there's actually people out there. Have you ever heard of the term Therians? That's right, Therians. Well, let's watch this clip together so we can learn. Therians are individuals who identify as a particular animal species on a deep level, despite not having the physical characteristics of that animal. They often engage in behaviors associated with their animal identity. Therians may experience shifts where they feel impulses to behave as their animal self or recall past lives as specific animals. There are different types of Therians, including Polytherians, identifying as multiple species, and Paleotherians, identifying as extinct animals. Therians are distinct from furries. They view their animal identity as an integral part of themselves, while furries see their animal personas as characters. Therians also differ from spirit animals, as Therian identities are not separate entities, but rather deeply intertwined with the individual. I, I can't help after watching that, thinking of my grandfather, and, and picture him sitting down, and trying to explain 
<laughs> trying to explain what a Therian is. Um, is they often engage in behaviors associated with their animal identity. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, 60 plus years, and I have never met any person who had told me that they identified, you know, with an animal. Now, I got friends who, you know, love birds and dogs and cats. And, you know, um, when I say love, of course, I'm not talking about real amorous feelings, just to clarify, because, you know, I, I don't want to get anybody to get the wrong understanding here. But, you know, the people enjoy their animals, enjoy their dogs, love them even, you know, willing to care for them. And that's kind of normal. But we have people today recalling their past lives as specific animals. Um, so what does this mean? They believe in reincarnation? Ah. See, a lot of what we're seeing today in our culture is really just the uh, upwelling again of some of the old things that have been around for ages and ages, like New Age. That's really what this is about. They're talking about, you know, well, I feel like I was a bird in my past life. I was a whale. I was, you know, whatever, a orangutan, whatever you were in your past life. Um, but identifying like that, it basically shows that there's something happening in our culture. I mean, there are some real problems here. I, 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 do you see? I mean, am I the only one? I, I don't think I am, but I kind of feel that way. And I'm glad this little clip clarified that furries are not the real thing. I mean, because I wasn't sure. I mean, I had no idea what that meant, but I'm glad they clarified it for me. They went on to say that, you know, uh, furries and we, we shouldn't confuse them with spirit animals. Uh, because that would be offensive, of course. Um, <laughs> this, I, I, I felt like doing this show today. And it is funny, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to laugh most of the way through this because I, it's sometimes hard to contain myself. Um, but yet people take this stuff seriously. So now that I watched that little clip along with you, and I, do you have a little more clarity on, on this issue? Um because I'm still completely confused, uh, literally. I mean, I, I understand what was said there, but I can't seem to actually put my finger on why. W what is it that people are missing in their life that they feel like they need to be, I don't know, relating to an animal in such a way? I have been identifying as Ethereum since I was 13. That's when I first awakened. I am now 21 and I still completely identify as Ethereum. I even have a tattoo over here that I'm not going to show right now. Um, and I want to say being Ethereum is never an excuse to have inappropriate relationships with animals. I'm going to get that out of there right now. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you clarified that. So being Ethereum doesn't mean that you have inappropriate relationships with animals. So I'm glad you, you know, you made that clear. I wasn't sure where you were going with all this, but you've been Ethereum since you were young and now you're 20 some years old. Uh, she has a tattoo on her arm, which she's not going to show us right now, but somehow this tattoo is proof of your being Ethereum. I'm, I'm, I'm not quite sure. Right now I feel like a velociraptor. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> um, what does that mean? Um, I, I, I'm confused. So I'm glad she clarified that. Um, I want to listen a little bit more to what she has to say next. Being Ethereum is not part of the LGBT community. It is not a gender or sexuality. It is just an identity. It's also not a delusion or a mental illness. There are Ethereans who may be 
having delusions about being an animal, but that is not what theory and anthropy is at its core. We know that we are human. We know that we have human bodies and human brains. That That is not really debatable. Um, it's not a choice. You don't choose to be a Therian and you don't choose which animals you identify as. It's also not just feeling a connection with animals or, you know, identifying with animals. It is identifying as an animal. So it's not identifying with an animal. It's identifying as an animal. She said it's not a delusion. It's not a mental illness. Well, thank you. I'm glad you clarified that. But you don't choose it. This just happens. And you just are. So one day you woke up and you just are something, some animal. Um, I, I have a lot of friends. I, there's a lot of people I know in the world. And uh, honestly, I think I've been slighted somehow because I have yet to have any one of my friends come out of the closet and tell me that they're Ethereum. And I'm, I'm kind of upset. I'm going to send, yeah, maybe not just an email, probably a text to all of my friends and, you know, ask them, why didn't you tell me? Maybe some of you, one of you, at least one of you must be a Therian. I must know someone who's a Therian because this obviously has been happening and it's been happening all along. I don't know why it hasn't happened to anyone I know. How about you? <laughs> Therian is basically somebody who believe spiritually or mentally that they are an animal. Therians are people who believe and feel they have the soul of an animal. Here in Houston, Aramon Van Rehemdolf is a leader in the Therian community. He identifies as both vampire and Therian, but today he's here to shed light on Therians. He tells us his identity is a wolf and a raven. When we go through our awakening, it's brought upon by a kind of a bond with a specific animal. Um, it could be either at a zoo or out in the wild. For most Aryans, we have, uh, when we shift, which um, we get we get the an animalistic instincts, uh, sixth sense, uh, heightened senses, like um, that whole hair on the back of your neck, uh, that, that sensation gets a little stronger. Van Rehemdolf says those who are Therian just know that they are. Part of being Therian means going through what is called a shift, and that process involves mentally and spiritually turning into the animal the Therian identifies as. Oh, so mentally and physically you begin to feel transformed into whatever animal you identify as. And, and I learned something here. These animals have souls. Hmm. I, I didn't know animals had souls, kind of like humans, but I, I guess they do. It, it kind of clarifies a little bit more. Um, so this gentleman um, basically sees himself as a wolf and a vampire. <laughs> I, I mean, he, ha he has the teeth. He must have had them done, right? But unless he was born like that. You think he was born like that? As a Therian, you identify as an animalistic being. This means that in some way or another, on a non-physical level, you kind of feel as if there's some part within you that is 
more animal than human. You feel as if aside from being human, you are actually an animalistic being. And let's be very clear about the non-physical part there because it's very important to note that Therians do not physically identify as an animalistic being. We do not believe that we are able to physically change into an animal or we do not identify physically as an animal in any way whatsoever. We know we are human. Oh, okay. I'm beginning to really, I'm beginning to understand this. So they don't actually believe they change into an animal. So in other words, like the previous guy, he thought he was a, a wolf and a vampire. So at night, he's not like turning into a werewolf or nothing. Okay, so I, I got that down. Now let's focus on the animalistic being part. Most often this is just an earthen animal, but sometimes this can also be considered a mythical creature that has some animalistic sides, such as dragons or griffins, for example. One's therentrophic experience is most of the time defined by one specific animalistic being, and this is also called a theriotype. So say that somebody has deer experiences and feel on the inside that they might be partially a deer, then their theriotype is a deer. So if I if I identify as a particular type of animal, then that's my theriotype. So if I feel like a unicorn, uh, my theriotype would be unicorns. Or if I feel like a deer, then my theriotype would be a deer. Okay, I, that's kind of cool. How about a dragon? <laughs> I feel like a dragon. Non-human things that a therian may experience are urges, instincts, behaviors, personality traits, anything alike that is related to a specific animalistic being. To name a couple of examples, one of such experiences may be the urge to make certain animalistic vocals, such as barking or meowing or chirping. You may instinctually experience certain behaviors that you do not deem to be entirely human. Oh, wow. I'm beginning, oh, I just felt that for a moment. Did you feel it? We have a little dog at home. We have, we have a little Bichons, we have two of them. And one of them is a little, well, she is female. Is that okay? Can I say that? Anyhow, the, the little one is a female dog. Her name is Gracie. And Gracie doesn't bark. Gracie howls. She really does. Ooh, ooh, she howls. And if you start howling, she'll howl. I'm beginning to feel a little like a wolf. Let's... Let's continue watching a little more. One does not choose to be a Therian and one does not consciously become a Therian. You cannot just randomly say, I'm a Therian now. It doesn't work that way. Instead, if you have always been experiencing all of these types of non-human things, then you may consider yourself to be a Therian. So I can't just choose to be a Therian. It has to be part of an experience of my life where I wake up in the morning or, you know, uh, maybe in you know, driving or going somewhere, suddenly I have this urge because it's an urge or an instinct. Um, is is that what he, he she said? Uh, yeah, it's an urge or an instinct. And if they come upon you, then that might be a sign that you're Ethereum, but you can't just choose to be Ethereum now. Okay, so I don't want all of, I don't want all of you going out there today and choosing to be Ethereum, okay? Uh, but if that urge comes upon you, you gotta know you just might be Ethereum. Ooh, Jesus help me. I don't know. To me, it sounds a little bit like demon possession. I'm sorry. It just does. Look at this picture with me, if you will. It's a combination of New Age. Okay, you can see. I don't know how you do the ohms thing. She's in the ohms position. Um, okay, ready to do what they consider meditation. Um, Eastern mysticism. Um, this is part of the logo uh, that the Therians use. So 
there is something going on here, and it is real. I, I know I laughed a lot, made a little fun here, because it just is, uh, but it's also pretty sad. And, and, and part of me is grieved, honestly, uh, that we have so many intelligent people. It's obvious, for the most part, other than that scary guy with, with the teeth, man. I don't, I don't know about him. But the other two seem to be really genuinely intelligent people, young people. And that breaks my heart because, man, they've got such a future ahead of them. But, you know, what are they going to say when they go for a job? You know, like, wow, watch me. I can, <laughs> you know, uh, I, can, I can do animalistic things. I mean... <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm trying to keep this. I'm trying to be, you know, serious here. Um, but yet, as sad as it is, it's funny. And I'm wondering if that's part of the delusion, if that's what the enemy is doing. Because a lot of these people are vulnerable. And I think they're being used and abused, if you will, uh, by this entire movement. Now, I, 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 I don't. I don't want to call these people out as individuals as being part of a cult or anything like that. Uh, but yet, these are kind of cultish practices that these people are involved in. And can any of these practices lead to anything positive in life? I don't really think so. I'm just not sure. Speaking of joining and being involved with and unifying with things that are a little on the crazy side. I'm wondering, is it possible for Republicans to unite and come together in order to be able to defeat Biden in this coming election? If he is going to be the actual candidate, uh, but can we unite anyhow? Because what if he's not the candidate? There's going to be another surrogate in there. Can Republicans unite enough to defeat Biden or a surrogate? Is that possible? Here's a picture this is uh, Republican Committee Chairwoman Ronna McDaniel. And she has called for the Republican Party to unite in order to defeat Biden. Um, as far as Republican Party goes, uh, I don't know much about her. Done a little research. From what I could find, she's pretty sincere about her job and pretty sincere about trying to unite the Republican Party. Uh, Trump seems to you know, see the, that she can also do a pretty good job at this. Uh, everybody's calling for Never Nikki to get out of the race, uh, to get the heck out of the way right now, because all she's really headed for is another shameful defeat. Uh, and I don't see how that really benefits her at all, except really, if anything, I think it's going to ruin her future with the party, if there is one. But my question is this, will it be even Biden that we're facing here, or is the left gearing up to bring someone in as a surrogate? And if so, how do we unite as a party uh, behind Trump in order to beat whoever they put up? See, we have to remember that the left is, well, they're very united. The left has the ability to be able to drop all of their in infighting. They do have infighting. Believe me, they do. It's all held behind closed doors, usually. They don't do it out in public like Republicans. We're... we're I think we need a little education in that regard. Uh, but I, I, I can't help questioning how is it that we're going to come together. Uh, Nikki Haley is a good example of this, okay? Um, 
She, along with some of the rhinos, are still working on some kind of angle. And that troubles me in the way of unity. It it troubles me because she is a fairly popular candidate, let's face it, okay? Not popular enough to beat Trump. I doubt it at all. Uh, But she is fairly popular, especially among the more, you know, left-leaning Republicans, uh, the more rhino, if you will, and many independents. And there's even some Democrats who would actually vote for her over Trump because they consider her to be the better candidate. Well, no, they don't really consider her to be the better candidate, but they consider her to be an insider and they can live with her. So how is this all going to unfold? Well, let's face it, Nikki's a woman. So breaking the glass ceiling, something Hillary wasn't able to do, by the way. Um, This could be a possibility. She could draw some women in, you know, Um, but why is she still on the scene trying to fight Trump? I mean, if the Republicans are trying to come together in unity, why do we have people like her still on the outskirts? What is she doing? And what are the people that are giving her money and supporting her? What are they doing and why? Because unity is what it's going to take. It's going to take it because Republicans already have Um, a deficit as far as the number of Republicans versus the number of Democrats in the country in most states. In most states, Democrats outnumber Republicans. So we have to draw in as much unity as possible. And then we still have to draw in from, you know, independents and and, uh, those maybe few Democrats that will lean over and vote Republican. How are we going to do that? (laughs) Maybe they have a plot. Maybe they have a plan in mind. I'm not sure what that might be. It seems like all the legal avenues um, seem to be one by one getting closed down. None of them really look like a a win for the left. But yet Nikki's still there. She's still on the scene. And, And something she said, I've never forgotten. Let me quote it for you. She said, quote, you should hold off on supporting former President Donald Trump, until they know, who's they, until they know if he's going to be convicted in any of the four criminal trials pending against him, chaos follows him. No, I love when she says that. Chaos follows him. And we can't defeat chaos with more chaos. But to me, this statement speaks volumes. See, we need to first put it in perspective. Nikki Haley, Republican. Okay, at least in name. And she claims that she can unite the party. But she's a deep insider. Her connections around the world go very deep. They're huge. And they cover not just the United States, but they do cover the world. And we do have outside influences. Many other nations do influence our members of the House and members of the Senate. To me, Nikki's a very dangerous person. I said it multiple times. She's a blue witch dressed in a red dress. And I don't trust her as far as I could throw her. Given the chance, I think she'd burn Trump at the stake. That's really what I believe. I believe she would do it, and I think she's showing it right now. Her most recent statement, just a couple of days ago, she said, Republicans lost a major vote on the border. Republicans lost a major vote on Israel. Donald Trump was found that he will not have immunity in all of these court cases coming up. The RNC chair is fired. 
All of this chaos is happening around us, and Donald Trump's fingerprints are on every bit of it. We can't continue as the Republican Party to go forward with all this chaos. You don't defeat Democrat chaos with Republican chaos. That's why we've got to see a change. These don't sound like the words of somebody who knows she's already defeated. And she is. There's really no clear pathway for her to be able to get the nomination. Or is there? We know that the formal nomination process doesn't end until the Republican nomination, the committee. And is it possible that never Nikki, a well-polished insider politician, has maybe more sold out than we might know to the deep state? I don't trust her. And I have the sense that she may be working with many on the inside in order to come up with a surprise right before the Republican convention. Unity, we need. But is unity possible when we have people like Nikki Haley still trying to claw at the front runner? I'm not sure. She's part of the deep state. And speaking about deep state, um, they're flooding our country. The deep state is with illegals. And the shooter, just Sunday, there was a shooting at a huge Houston church. You may have heard about Lakewood Church. That's the church where Joel Osteen is the pastor. There was a shooting there. And the shooter is an LGBTQAI plus migrant, illegal, from El Salvador. She's got a long criminal history going far back to 2005. On the screen, we're going to show a picture. And this picture is what we've been able to obtain as a copy of her police record going back to 2005. She's a Bernie supporter. (laughs) I mean, what does that tell you? Uh, She has a had a a free Palestine sticker on her gun, uh, which she had an AR, and she identifies as being transgender. Born actually a man, okay? Uh, Now converted, transformed, identifies as, have no clue, a woman comes into the church, and according to the Federalist, She is a 36-year-old, her name Genovese Yvonne Moreno, born as a man, also went by the name of Jeffrey Escalante, sounds like a drug dealer, entered into the Lakewood Church around 2 p.m. wearing a trench coat and a backpack with a five-year-old boy tagging along with her and an AR-15. She immediately began to fire an estimated 12 shots. Moreno was struck by return fire and died on the scene. Where'd the return fire come from? Ah, yes, that's right. Security. One thing about churches today, we have a lot of security. We have a lot of security. Be careful, immigrants. Be careful who you decide to attack. Anyhow, um, she was shot and killed. Unfortunately, the child was caught in a crossfire and was shot also. 
I pray he doesn't die, but they say prognosis doesn't look good. And another 57-year-old bystander was shot, minor injuries, and all because we have another illegal in the country. Now, been here for granted. Okay, been here for what, you know, 18 years or whatever. It's a long time. But look at the police record. Okay, why are we allowing these people in the nation? This is a perfect example in the difference that we have in philosophies between the left and the right. The left, for the most part, um, we're finding, anyhow, the left, for the most part, are the more violent. And and look, I I know some people are going to disagree, but facts are facts. Um, Plus the fact that she's here from El Salvador. She entered into this country, we know illegally, and was cared for, paid for. Probably everything that she has is a result of we the people (laughs) helping her along all these years. She never had intentions, he, she, I don't know, never had intentions of assimilating into this nation. Instead, she became a rebel in America against American values. And and this is the problem I have because they weren't vetted. When my grandparents came to this nation, they were investigated, they were interrogated, they were questioned, their backgrounds were questioned. Uh, They came in through Ellis Island and they had to know our country. We had to know where these people were going and what they were going to do. Uh, My grandfather came with his brother, both of them, left their family in Italy, in Naples, never saw them again. I mean, there was a big sacrifice. But when they came to this country, they came and assimilated. They became part of the culture. Oh, he still spoke Italian, but only in the house, always used English and encouraged all of us to speak English. I never learned Italian fluently, mainly because my grandparents refused to speak around us Italian because they wanted us to be fluent in English. I mean, they sacrificed. We can only pray that, you know, our failures as a nation cease now before it gets any worse. We have millions of people who have came into this country. And again, you know, Probably the majority of them are really people who are hurting and seeking help. And thank God for a country like America who's willing to take them legally if they go through the right process. But why can't we be a little more protective of our own people, of our own borders, of our own culture, of our own ideals, of our own values, so that when people come here, the reason why we have a process in coming to America is so that people get indoctrinated, in a positive sense, into what American values are. Well, we're not saying that when you come here that you have to forget who you are as a person and where you come from, but that instead you'll lay aside those values, lay aside those cultural things that you had, and pick up the cultural values and the ideals of being an American and unite with that. And let that become part of who you are. I think if we don't make some serious changes soon as a nation and as a country, we're going to reap, and maybe not just us, but our children and our children's children are going to reap the failures of what's happening right now in America. We need top-down reformation. It's got to start. Got to start from the top. We need a strong president. And we need a president who's going to take the bull by the horns and begin to clean house Day one, when he gets in, I say, throw them all out. Let's start all over again. 
This is Mike Kahlo for Exposed, the Kalo podcast. Thanks for watching. God bless you. And God bless the United States of America. Thank you.